Hey, Boker Tov. So, because we uh, have no success in, in getting anywhere with Parashat Shemot, Why? and we already, Va'ira is breathing down our necks, I think tonight, Be'ezrat uh, Hashem, tomorrow we're going to start the Haftarah, no matter what, Va'ira. Uh, tonight, Bli Neder, I'm going to see if I can get a few people to do a, a class, and, and or just to, to study the remainder of Parashat Shemot with me and Shara Rachamim. So if any of our listeners are interested in that, if you could maybe shoot me a text or something or send me an email so that I know. Um, I think it's the only way because we have, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half left of content to get through and we have a 20-minute class right now. So it doesn't seem like we're going to be getting anywhere. Okay, that's for that. Last thing we did was... Hashem says, go gather the elders and tell them, and, te- and then gather the elders and tell Am Yisrael, Pakot Pakati Atchem He said the importance of the Pakot Pakati is that this is exactly the same words that Yosef told Am Yisrael that Hashem Pakot Ifkod Elohim Ve'ali Temetatzmotayimized. God will remember you and you will take my bones out from here. And therefore, the elders who definitely knew of the traditions of the forefathers also probably had a uh, you know a tradition of Yosef telling them these exact words. So the second Moshe and Aharon go to the Zikinim and say these exact words. All of a sudden, they it catches on. It it it, it uh, you know it, it reminds the them of it something. The key. It was the key. And I have said that I'm going to take you out of. Uh, the, from the poverty of Egypt or from the distress of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, Chittites, Amorites, Prezites, Chivites, and Jebusites, to the land flowing with milk and honey. And then the people will listen, the, the Zekanim will listen to your voice. They will listen to your voice, and then you and the Zekanim of Israel will come to the king of Egypt and you will say to him, God, God of the Ivrim has called us. And now let us go a three-day journey in the desert and we will worship to Adonai, our God. But I know that although the Zikinim will listen to you, now, I, I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go not unless you show him a strong hand. You know, that's his language. Paro's language is the language of strength because he is that archetype that we've always been speaking about of the power-hungry, the man, the, um, at the very, very, very depth of the philosophy of the Torah, right? We, if you go all the way, all the way back to Adam and Chava, all it's, it's all really about how men and women contend with their mortality what is our response to the fact that we know that we're going to die now the Torah response is to come to terms with it and to know that there is a spiritual existence you bury them but the non-Torah response is to make oneself into a God or to turn oneself into a hero or to turn oneself or to try to immortalize oneself through through strength right so so the language of the person who does not have the Torah's philosophy of contending with mortality is the language of Yad Chazaka. And that's the only language that Paro is going to understand. Okay? But it's interesting, he's sending him 
almost on a mission that he's telling him you're not going to be you're going to initially you won't be successful he's already telling yeah but but so one thing I also I, I noticed here it's so uh, it seems to me just by this psukim that the bracha that Avram Avinu God and Yitzhak and, and Avram and Yaakov yeah the, the, everybody the, the kids knew about it it's not like because uh, he's saying they'll know they'll know that means that it was oh you know, it was passed sure, down from brother, generation brother, that, that God promised me this. It has to be. Why would they? Why would they follow it then? There must have been tradition. For sure, it must have been something that was passed down. I, I, I want. Yeah, there's a there's a thing he I read here. I need to find it for you. Yeah, so you're you're saying that they're not Moshe and Aaron when they come to Am Israel and they say this, they're not saying it out of the blue. They, they had ringing in their ears some tradition that this was going to happen. And they're kind of waiting for it. Maybe in the back of their minds they'd lost hope that it would ever happen. But at the same time, when it does happen, it does trigger something. It, the same it, way it the words, pakot pakati wakes And I think you're right with that. I had a, There was a very nice um, Definitely. thing it, they uh, did here. Mouth to mouth, it's generation to generation, it went down. This is the children of yeah. Adinda, the children of Abraham. Maybe when they when they when they went uh, when uh, Yehuda went and he built uh, those uh, beta, they say like uh, places of learning. Here, here, here. Let, let, listen to this. This is what I want to read for you. Okay, this is the author of, of or the commentary here. He's he's describing in in a literary way what the experience for Am Israel to have heard Moshe and Aaron come to them, what that could have felt like. Okay, so now quote. Now after all of these years comes a vague rumor through the brick fields and along the great canal about the two old men from far off in Midian with a most startling message. One, it was said, was that Moses, whose exciting story their aged elders still talked about, the story that had so stirred the slave settlements long ago when a prince of Egypt, who was one of themselves, had for their sakes refused to be called the son of Paro's daughter. Then came the secret message from Moshe and Aaron to the heads of the families. Before going to Paro, they must first be sure that their leadership will be accepted by the people. Okay, so that, that, was, that was all he was saying. He's saying like, imagine, uh, he was saying, he's talking about something else. He's talking about the, 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 what Am Israel must have felt like hearing after 40 years of not seeing Moshe, hearing something about the man who who killed the Egyptian. Meaning in Am Israel's mind, they probably even knew of Moshe's story. Sure. You know, but so imagine, this, imagine all of a sudden after 40 years, this man who has his, like the legacy, who oh, has this great, that's, the guy, great, that's, that's the guy who went and killed the Egyptian. All of a sudden he comes and he's a real person. <laughs> you know, that's an interesting uh, oh, like the angle. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. <laughs> no, he gave up his uh, throne, like, uh, you know. His, but, but, but the point is, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't exactly what you said, but the point is that Moshe and Aaron coming it's not coming out of... It's not a clean slate. Meaning there are things that are being stirred. There are memories that are being stirred when they come. Now it makes sense because it talks about... He talked, the author here talked about, talked about Yosef. Everybody knew his greatest. Everybody knew he was from Shevet, uh, from Am Yisrael. From, right. From right, right, right. So they remember Yosef's greatness and they remember Moshe, the, the, the famous Moshe who killed the Egyptian. You know, imagine if Am Yisrael got wind of the story of... The son of Paro was actually a Jew yeah. and killed. That would have been become a famous national story. Yeah. 
You know, so when Moshe disappears from the scene, they forget about him. When he comes back, imagine what kind of response that would have created. You know, it's interesting. And also, I never it, even thought about it. It makes sense to me now that now it kind of makes sense because Yosef promised his children to take him out of Egypt. Mm -hmm. So that was probably. So knew. they knew that they're still, they knew that they will leave one his father right told right that, that, of course his that that was him. when that was when he used the words pakod pakati he said pakod pakati atchem v'taisui lachem v'misraim no pakod ifkod elohim atchem v'halitem et atzmotai mizeh right remember me and take my bones out his father told him okay. Um, now, Pasuk 19, The king of Egypt will not let you go, and not with a strong, unless you show him a strong hand. I will send my hand and I will strike Egypt with all of the wonders that I will do um, in Egypt, and then Paro will send you. And then I will give the grace of the nation, if of you, meaning you, the nation, meaning Am Israel, in the eyes of Mitzrayim, and when you go, you will not go empty-handed. A woman will ask of her neighbor and from her that lives next to her, or that lives in her house, uh, gold, uh, the silver vessels and gold vessels and clothing and you will put it on your sons and your daughters and you will clear out Egypt wow. now this is a strange thing what all of a sudden how are, how are the Egyptians going to start liking Am Israel? and what is it why, why are they going to give them stuff for the way why are they going to give them gold and silver what's the whole story there so the Midrash says it's that it's a miracle what does the Midrash say Midrash says a miracle that they're going to all of a sudden have a feeling of khin, of love for Am Yisrael because why in the world would the Egyptians love Am Yisrael for destroying their country? You, you know, you see the problem there? It's like, it, it's, it's a bit of a miracle. You, you know, the, the, the problem we have, the problem with this pasuk is that, okay, the Egyptians will all of a sudden love you. The reason the Midrash is difficult is because we, we never see Bore Olam directly affecting the mind of someone. Even Rambam talks about this in Morin Nebuchim. Borei Olam doesn't, doesn't change people's minds for them. He doesn't, never goes that far. Even, 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 even hardening the heart of Paro, most of the, the, the Pshat commentators say that's an expression. It doesn't mean that God hardened his heart. Yani he didn't give him free will. The Pshat commentators, which is the ones that I think I, I personally agree with, the, those commentators say that it's an expression to show that Paro's heart was unnaturally hardened he was so stubborn that it was as if a god or god was you know was controlling him well, so so he, that's the question with midrash why are why are the egyptians liking the jews they, well they, what happened they, I, I, the way i see it is that the egyptians were also suffering during ah, that time exactly of, of through, they were also being enslaved and they were being taxed and whatever, yeah so they felt almost like, you know, like okay. you know, we, we, are, we are the same. We're the same. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So I'll give you two answers to this. First of all, we know from the story back in, uh, in Vaigash with Yosef that the Egyptians, were, it was a slave society. Mm -hmm. The Paro's Paro court controlled not only the Jews, it controlled mm -hmm. everyone. They, everyone was a slave to the state. See, Joseph didn't let them be slaves. He said, I give you some power. Right, he gave you some power, but nobody owned land. Yes. Paro owned, owned all the land, and they had to work. 
the land and give 20% to Paro. Now, for them, 20% was like slavery, you know. Uh, but but, um, but that on, that's the first thing you have to remember is that the whole Egyptian society is a slave state. So w- when we think of Moshe uh, going, uh, detracting from Paro's court... We don't necessarily have to lump all of Egypt in that thing. It's it seems like Egypt may even be rooting Moshe rooting on the Moshe whole time the because underdog. they don't like the same way. Half the time we we don't like the, our, our leadership in our country. Half the time we want to get them out, right? So whenever someone comes and and goes against the establishment, everybody roots them on. So that seems to be what's going on there. And then on top of that, what did you say? What was the second proof you said? Um, oh no no the the, the, the so I, I said what you said. There was one more. Oh the other proof is that. A lot of non-Jews also went up with the Jews out of Egypt. Why would so many non-Jews go with the Jews out of Egypt? Because they wanted to try to find a better life. They thought grass was greener on the other side, so they went. So we, we have to take a more nuanced approach to who these Egyptians were and what the relationship was. It seems like at the end of the day, Moshe's biggest fight is with Paro and his court. But the rest of the people of Egypt are not necessarily to be held accountable for anything. They, they, they were suffering too. And maybe that also explains why overall we have a pretty good and proper disposition towards the average Egypt. You know, they, we can't marry into them for three generations, but after that we have to treat them well because we were Gerim in their land and we, they could marry into us after three generations. So our, our, we don't have lasting resentments against the Egyptian people. Maybe because they were never a real enemy. It was Paro who was a real enemy, and Paro exclusively. It's actually, very true. Yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Okay. Good. Shall we continue? Yes. Perk Dalit. Vayan Moshe vayomer v'hen lo yaminuli velo yishmiu b'kolik yomiru lo nirai lechadomai. And Moshe said, No, but they're not going to believe me. And they're not going to listen to my voice because they will say, God has not appeared to you. And then God said to him, What is this in your hand? And he said, It's a staff. So then God said, Throw it to the ground. And then Moshe threw it to the ground. And it became a snake. And then Moshe ran away from the snake. Hashem said to Moshe, Send your hand and grab its tail. And Moshe sent his hand and he grabbed it And it became a staff in his hand So it went from staff, it turned into snake And Moshe grabbed its tail and it turned back into a staff So that they believe that God, the God of your forefathers Appeared to you okay? So what's Moshe's response to this first uh, thing? To this first miracle? What if they don't still they don't Nothing. Nothing. He doesn't respond. That's why Bore Olam goes and says, Remember that word? Remember, remember last time we no, said, no whenever it says, Vayomer Adonai, Od, it's trying to point out that Moshe didn't He's respond. Not so, for it. For it. Right, so, so God is, okay. I think You're not these, speaking. All of, all of these tricks are, all of these uh, signs, it seems to me now that I'm looking at the Pasuk that it's really just for Moshe. It's not really... Well, I mean, it, do, it does say go. it does say that they did that they did the simanim before that they did the signs before the nation by Yamin Ha'amin. The nation believed. So the question is, how many of the signs did they do? Did they do all three? We don't really know. And maybe they did the first one, and then the nation believed, and the other two were unnecessary. So to an extent, these are from Moshe. But what do you think these represent? So the first the first sign we we just did. You take a staff, you throw it on the floor, it turns into a snake. 
then you grab it from its tail, and then it turns back into a staff. So first of all, notice all the commentators point out that grabbing a snake by the tail is the most dangerous way to grab it. If, you ever, if a person ever wants to grab a snake, they have to grab it by the head because then it can't do anything to you. Right? And when you grab it by the tail, it could, it could, it could still move the, the whole top of its body and then it's, it's dangerous. Right? But if you grab it from its head, then the, the snake is, is kind of at a loss. Um, so he's asking Moshe to do something very dangerous, which means, Moshe, you have to have, a, you have, to have faith in me that I'll protect you. Right, so it's, it's a pretty scary thing. I kind of, kind of give credit to Moshe to actually being able to take, even touch the snake from his tail. Mm-hmm. You know, it's out. a scary he thing. He, he ran away at first, but then Moshe says, go back and take it by its tail, and Moshe takes it by its tail. Um, the other thing is we see, we see later that the word Nachash is not used. Instead, what word is used? Whenever they want to do signs before Paro, it seemed, the word tanin is used. But here the word nachash is used. I'm thinking that maybe there's some significance there. I don't know. It's speculation. But could this be a reference back to the nachash in the story of Adam and Chava? Could there be any, any connection there? Any meaning between our nachash and nachash of Adam and Chava? Rashi says this whole thing is about Lashon Hara. Yes. Because Moshe says, lo li. These people will not listen to me. Yes. And Rashi says, These people are Ma'aminim, Benim Aminim. These people are the believers, the sons of believers, and you're claiming that they're not Ma'aminim. So the, the Midrashim, they blame Moshe here for not having, for saying Lashon Hara about Am Yisrael. Meaning, Moshe, you are allowed to have, be self critical. You're allowed to say that you're not worthy, but do not talk about Am Yisrael as if they are non believers. <laughs> That's that, that's, right, so Rashi says the snake represents Lashon Hara, and then the hand, in the next sign, the hand will be getting Tzara'at, and that also represents Lashon Hara. He adopted the craft of the snake, doubt. Basically, he had doubt. Ah, that's what the Rashi is doing. So Rashi is, is connecting it back to Adam Chavah. He thereby adopted the craft of the snake, but the first is Muto Shel Nachash, Oh, so that's that's the whole thing. I, I it was right in front of my eyes. I didn't realize it. Rashi is, is saying exactly what we said. Rashi is saying exactly what we said. What did the snake do to Adam and Chaba? He said. He said, oh, God, will not, you're not going to die if you eat from the tree. You're going to be like gods. And then all of a sudden, they're thinking, eh, I thought we we're going to die. Maybe we're not going to die. So let's eat from the tree. Now, what is Moshe doing? Every time Hashem says something, he says, but maybe. But maybe, but maybe they're not going to listen to me, but maybe I'm not good enough, but maybe this, but maybe that. And then he's like, at some point, Borei Olam's like, hello, Moshe, you're acting just like the snake. <laughs> stop, stop being so doubtful, and let's, uh, let's move on. Okay, uh, the next thing is the, the hand. Hashem says to him again, put your hand into your chest. And he puts his hand into his chest. And he, oh, he takes it out and his hand is full of tzara'at, like snow. Put your hand back and he puts it back. Takes it out and behold, it went back to its skin tone. And if they do not believe you and they do not listen to the first sign, they will listen to the second sign. And if they will not listen to these two signs, they will not listen to your voice. And you will, if they will not listen to you, and you will take from the waters of the river and you should throw it onto the dry land. And the waters that you take from the river, they will become 
Blood on the ground. Okay, so let's pause for a second because this is Moshe's last, last plea with God. After this is, is going to be is going to be this this next pasuk. So we have to save that. But now the second siman. What is the idea? Why is he getting tzara'at? So as Rashi said, because he's saying lashon hara baram Israel. But also, what is tzara'at? What does it represent? If the skin becomes white, what is that? Sara'at is a form of death. It's a form of partial death of the body. Because what happens when a person dies, the skin becomes white. So Sara'at represents physical death. So the idea, uh, in a simple way, the idea means Borei Olam can control the living and he could control death and, and life. He could, he could put to death and he could bring back to life immediately. You, know, you see it on your hand. You could see the life and death abilities of Borei Olam even on your hand. Okay, so that would be the second sign. Uh, any deeper than that, you could look to Rashi. I think that's a, a, a valid interpretation of how. And I, I think the chidush was the the snake. I think the snake finally makes some sense. I never understood the snake, I, but I, now I think there's a lot of depth to Rashi which you didn't pick up on. Okay, um, let me see. Fine. Okay, last one. So Moshe says to Hashem, Please Hashem, please Master, I am not a man of words, not from yesterday, not from two days before, not from whenever you ever spoke, to God, not from the time whenever you started speaking to your uh, servant, because I am heavy of mouth and heavy of tongue. Hashem says to him, Who gave a mouth to man? Hmm. Or who makes a person mute? Or cheresh, or deaf? Or fikeach? Or, uh, or intelligent? Or, or not fikeach. Fikeach actually means um, uh, ability to see. Or who gives a person sight? Or iver, or blind? It is me, Adonai, who does that. That's one of the most glorious psukim in the Torah. <laughs> Mi sam pela adam, who gives the mouth to man? Oh, mi asumi lem, who makes someone mute? You just have to, yeah, you just have to stop and meditate on that pasuk for a second to see how grand a pasuk it is. It's a very, it's one of those seminal psukim in Sefer Shemot, and it kind of is is one of the essential things of Sefer Shemot because in Bereshit we learn that God created the world, but in Shemot we learn that God manages the intricate details of life as well, you know. So Hashem has the ability Amazing. to influence what happens in the world that He created. He doesn't just create the world and leave. He doesn't say who gives sight. He says who makes the blind person. Right. He doesn't say who, who gives Yeah, who it's not, he's he not only who saying... Gives, who makes the deaf person. Right. He doesn't talk about the... Says, I, you're, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not granted that you have sight. Yeah. That's a nice point. He's not only saying who can... No, he's only it's not only saying good things. Yeah. He's saying... No, no, because he says Pikea. He also says Pikea. Right. Okay. I'll be with you and I'll instruct you what to do. And now Moshe's final plea, we will get to Be'ezor Hashem tonight, if anybody can come. I need, we need to finish tonight, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not continuing this tomorrow. Baruch Adonai Lulam. Amen, amen.